Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Ashley. And we're here to talk about our favorite project, which is Patients to Advocates. It's a nine-month fellowship that is dedicated to leadership development for women who have had abortions to help change the, the state of affairs so that abortion access is easier and so that we can um, eliminate abortion access. So this is our second year. And um, Ashley is our project coordinator and has done an incredible job. And, um, you know, as we're coming to the, the end of our, of our second year, um, we're repeating this uh, podcast. We did one a year ago with the first round of fellows as part of our Thanksgiving um, episode because we're so thankful that um, when we put out the call asking for women to participate in this, that they answered and brought their authentic selves and really took a risk and um, let us be a part of their lives. So we want to first thank everyone who's been part of the project. And I think, you know, Ashley, what I want to ask you is, you know, now that we've gone through the second year and, you know, we've had two two groups to, to look back on, what, what do you think you're, I mean, let's start with the gratitude. What are you most thankful for? Um, I am most thankful that this year we are graduating eight wonderful fellows. Um, They have been a very cohesive group right from the beginning, and they have been just very enthusiastic for everything, like every single module. So I'm really grateful for that this year. Yeah, I am too. It's I think I think the thing that's hard for me for this project is when we get to the end. Yes. (laughs) Um, You know, we only have one more session this round, and. And, uh, yeah, I get a little emotional about it because I don't, you know, I want to see them all the time. And so um, we're working on future alumni plans. So stay tuned um, for future episodes where we'll talk about that. Um, You know, what I actually, you know, one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about was I think one of the the biggest um, days for patients and advocates this year was meeting with the medical students for choice at Ohio Mm -hmm. State. Do you want to kind of tell our viewers a little bit about that? And we did that once last year, but then again this year. Yes. Um, So last year was obviously our first Patients to Advocates program, and that was our first time traveling to OSU for the panel discussion. Um, And we received such great feedback from the OSU Med Students for Choice that they invited us back again um, this year. And we had an audience of about 44 healthcare students. And um, based on the feedback that they gave us on their surveys, it was just really... um, it was a great opportunity for them as future medical providers to hear what they can do um, to make the abortion procedure better for patients, how they can be a bit more empathetic. And I think the main message that our fellows conveyed was a smile goes so long. You know, a smile goes such a long way. Um, on that day, when you are making um, a very important decision, um, kindness is just the best medical care that someone can provide. And I think especially given the stigma that's around this particular uh, mode of reproductive health care, mm-hmm. you know, to have that, that reassurance from your medical provider, I think is, mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's always important. I mean, anytime you're going through anything medical that, 
you know, that it makes you nervous that maybe it's the first time you've had a procedure or anesthesia or things like that. I mean, you know, that, you know, that kind of hand on the shoulder, mm-hmm. that smile makes a big difference. Yeah. But I, I, it's, I think it's such a unique opportunity for medical students, um, people who might even be thinking about whether or not to go into obstetrics and gynecology or be abortion providers to hear from women who have, who've experienced abortion and, and what they need from their healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you what do you think was the the other um, like big day for the the cohort this year? Hmm. Well, this year was a little bit different. They actually did two panels. Right. That's true. Um, so the first panel was um, held here at preterm, and it was co-sponsored by um, Cuyahoga Democratic Women's Caucus mm-hmm. and Cleveland um, National Organization of Women's Chapter. And that also had a really good turnout, and it was more so policy-focused, and the fellows were able to talk about all of the barriers that they mm-hmm. overcame um, to accessing their abortion. And um, that one went a bit longer than scheduled because the audience was just so engaged and asking so many questions. And, um, again, abortion needs to be talked about out loud. And um, what the fellows are doing by starting these conversations within their modules and, like, in their daily interactions is like really why we are here. Well, I thought what was really amazing about that panel in particular is for for a lot of people, abortion or choice is a political issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though, you know, roughly a quarter of the women in this country will have an abortion at some point in their life, for a lot of women or or men who consider themselves pro-choice, it's it's more of a political issue. And for for people who are so active in politics to be able to, you know, put multiple faces to what abortion really is, which is a, you know, it's, it's a private medical decision. It's a, it's, it's a parenting decision. It's a economic decision. It's so many things. It's, it's not just a political football. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's why they had so many questions because it was such a, unfortunately, rare opportunity. Yes, yes. Um, another rare opportunity that this year's fellows had was the chance to actually burn their stigma. So no, <laughs> in one of their modules, <laughs> um, they wrote out all the stigma and all the negative things that they heard about their abortion experience or what women should do. And they went outside and they literally set flames <laughs> to those things and, you know, kind of released all of that negative energy. Um, and that was done pretty early on in the program. And I think that kind of set the pace and the tone for this year's cohort. Yeah. Anything else we want to want to share with our with our audience? No. No. I think I think I would just want to reiterate again how grateful we are to um, the funders of this project, to our partner organizations, Preterm, which is an independent abortion provider here in Cleveland. New Voices for Reproductive Justice, which is a women of color-led organization that was started in Pittsburgh and has expanded into Ohio, and also to the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice and my group, NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio Foundation, and and to Ashley, our intrepid uh, project manager. You know, we we started this project um, really under the um, we had been inspired by the Chicago Abortion Fund that um, has a um, fellowship program, but it's more of a full-time one-year thing for one or two people. We were, we really took inspiration from the work that they have pioneered and the work that we did, uh, or that they did. So I wanted to acknowledge that and say, you know, we've tried to adapt it for for our use here, and um, we hope to keep this program going and uh, really beef up the alumni. 
um, activities because you know we invest in making these women, um, giving them the tools to be leaders in the community, and now you know we really want to help them fly. And so, um, please support our partner organizations. And um, I just wanted to add, um, as you all listen to our amazing fellows mm. and everything they have overcome. Again, this is our Thanksgiving episode, so I hope that you are inspired by their bravery and their courage to talk about abortion at the Thanksgiving table today. I mean, this year. Thanks. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> it, man. I can't think of anything else better to say. So thank you to our audience and thank you to everyone that supports the program. Thank you. All right. Um, I'm Greta and part of Patients Advocates, obviously. I'm a mother of a crazy two-year-old and I consider my abortion my first parenting decision. So that's where I stand on this. I'm Gigi. I am 27. I have a beautiful little one-year-old who is turning three soon and my Patients Advocate experience has definitely played a role on my choices in life. How did you become a part of this program? Uh, funny story. <laughs> so I used to Uber drive, well, I still do. And one day I picked Ashley up from the preterm clinic. And I was like, you work here? She was like, yeah. I was like, what do you do? And she explains everything about the patient advocate uh, cohort. And I was like, oh, man. And that was like the first time ever in my whole entire life that I spoke about my abortion to someone else and didn't hire from nobody. How did you get into the program? Um, just generally being a bit of a bleeding heart liberal loudmouth is the way I sort of look at it, which is just, um, it was, I filled out the form at the clinic about inquiring about the program after uh, being up, I guess it's the third floor is where the actual clinic is, right? right. Or whichever floor. Anyway, and there was a woman there who was... Um, we're getting ready to actually go in and have the procedure. It's the last day uh, of the whole process. And she was just really upset and affected by the protesters that were outside. And so I spent a lot of time talking with her and trying to, like, tell her it was okay and that they were just jerks and, like, not to worry about it. And then I saw this little sheet of paper and was like, oh, whoa, I could actually, like, talk about this? You know, it's a very simple sheet of paper that says, are you interested in a program? Um, but I filled it out and then didn't hear anything back for almost a year and just got curious one day and called the clinic and they sent me to Kelly's voicemail. I didn't hear anything else for a couple more months. And then magically I got this call and it has been like the best call I've gotten ever. Awesome. What advice would you give those in a world both pro-choice and pro-life? Um, I would give those who identify as pro-life the advice to uh, change the name that they are using to identify because it is not an issue of life um, that having an abortion really <clears throat> is about. And so I would encourage them to accept the fact that it's actually a matter of anti-choice and to consider whether or not they feel that they are equipped and entitled to make that choice for someone else right. um, and to consider that people who identify as pro-choice often are not uh, people without a lack, people with a lack of spirituality or morals and that the experience of having an abortion can actually be something that is very touching and life-changing in a positive way. 
Gotcha. How about you? <laughs> well, my advice to both those pro-choice and pro-life is that the abortion is just as simple as any other medical procedure. And that what I do with my body and what those do with everyone else that do with their body is their choice. And that you should be open-minded because you don't want no one to tell you what you can and can't do and what you can and can't eat and what you can and can't take. And what achievements do you feel you've accomplished with this program? I feel like I achieved mostly my voice because for the longest I've never talked about the subject and also didn't talk about a lot of things, but this in particular program made me more vocal about the things I care about and care about the people around me. So what about you? Um, I totally agree with that sentiment because I think that this program um, just in meeting other women who feel similarly not always the exact same about these issues that we mm-hmm. discuss in the modules with me has made me really feel more confident in my own voice, which has lent me to sort of um, show a more dynamic side of my personality to my family because that's not always something that I do. I come from a bit of a um, open-minded family, but also a sort of like um, like qu- quiet family. And so for me to be able to show this side of my personality as like passionate and like involved and like more dynamic has really been something that's made me feel awesome. Good. Um, and it's helped me like have closer relationships with family and friends especially like I've got other people in my family involved now and it's it's really cool to see how other people uh can be advocates when they see someone else doing it that they I guess respect I don't know if anyone respects me really that much but I feel like they do at this point I feel like my family they do at this point and that's a really awesome feeling it feels like an achievement so what is your favorite part of the whole core Cohort? Yes. (laughs) You and everyone else. Um, I think that this happened like just at the right time. Like I was still feeling like a new mom. And I think that being a mom um, like opened my eyes to how important like having a real community is because you can't do that by yourself. I mean, I don't think it necessarily always takes being a mom, but I think that was one of the experiences that I gained from having a child was that I needed my own thing and like something that I really believed in. And I definitely found it here with uh, making these friendships. Uh, My favorite part of the program is when we made our poems. Mm -hmm. I'm a body that, and I really love that especially when we took pieces from everyone's poems and put them together. I wish we could have did that for everyone. Yeah. We can always write more poems. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> um, and then uh, what do you feel is the purpose of the program, and do you feel like the program itself accomplished that? I feel the purpose of our program is to bring people together even though it might be a common purpose for some people, not necessarily all, but just bringing people together for a common understanding. And I feel like it's, it's doing that, and I feel like we can accomplish much more once we reach out to more people. Yeah, for sure. How do you feel about it? I agree. I think it's like the program 
is like really fostered our individuality while allowing us to like feel like we have this like strength behind us in each other and I think it was really effective at that which I I don't know that's sort of the impression from this program that I got that an advocate is someone who is willing to be themselves in a public forum Mm -hmm. and I think that they really helped us do that so it's been awesome don't you think and for those watching patients that advocate is more than just teaching us about abortion and telling us what laws are against abortion is more so of creating a community within a community and showing everyone that you can have a voice no matter what it is and to stand for. And it's awesome. Hi, I'm Gabby. Hi, I'm Christina. And we are? We're in the Patients to Advocate program for 2017. How do you think the experience has changed your day-to-day views? Um... This experience has challenged the way that I carry my stigma. I believe that it has um, led me to be more open and led, or the way that I carry my experience. I'm sorry, I worded that wrong. It has challenged the way that I carry my experience. So it has led me to be more open and more forefront versus my experience being something that I push into the back mm-hmm. um, and then I don't necessarily openly identify with. Um, now I feel very, very... Um, it's not confidence, but something along those lines. I mm-hmm. feel very, very confident about um, just being like, yeah, yeah that was that's out. me. Right. Yeah, and identifying with being pro-choice as well as being a person who has needed to use um, pro-choice, uh, just different pro-choice things like birth control, abortion. I've needed to have access to pro-choice uh, medical care. Um and so it's just helped me to identify I am when I'm more than just um, uh, I'm more than just your average woman. I'm a person who has experienced uh, these different things. So good answer. Have you had any interesting experience where you felt you had to defend your decision to have an abortion? Um, yeah, funny enough, um, one of the experiences that led me to say yes to this program, um, I had literally just left uh, preterm uh, scheduling uh, what would have been my second abortion procedure. Um, and having, um, it was a little bit more of an emotional um, experience being mm-hmm. here at the clinic um, because I wasn't so sure uh, this time. Um, which I didn't go forward with it. But anyways, the conversation that I had um, at the end of that, I um, was in the presence of three gentlemen um, who were really saying some very um, judgmental things about abortion and about pro-choice. Um, the conversation came along because we were, um, were talking about Trump being in office. Um, it was around this time last year, I believe. Mm. or January. Um, it was around January last year, actually. Okay. And um, so Trump was coming into office, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about the changing health care. Um, and what started out to be a very... Um, what started out to be a very friendly conversation ended up turning into a conversation that I felt like was against me, right. um, where I ended up being called a whore. Mm. Um, and just very judgmental things being said about women who had had abortions. I hadn't even revealed that I had had one or right. that I had just left the clinic. Um, and so um, that was a really, really um, 
turbulent experience. It was an experience that ended up in me um, realizing that I had a lot of unresolved emotions um, and that I needed to um, come to terms with um, different choices that I had made um, in a positive light, which I had mm-hmm. thought I had previously did, but apparently not. Um, and that this was something like I, I felt like it was a conversation that just really, um, that really pointed to how deep this stigma is that we have about being pro-choice right. and just supporting women's uh, right to choose. So, right. Okay. What led you to join the program? Um, That was one thing that led me to join the program. Also, um, I wanted to kind of, I I, I was moving back here to Cleveland. Um, I wanted to get involved in um, some things that were um, a little bit more Um, Mm pro-rights. And then I found this and it turned out to be uh, pro-rights for women specifically dealing with abortion which are Mm. all things that I'm um very familiar with um Mm. and feel very passionately about so um that experience along with a few other experiences that I've had um since um being a recipient of abortion care um led me to uh seek out this platform where I could openly talk about it amongst people who shared similar experiences that was one of the reasons for me as well Okay. What's the biggest struggle you feel that you have faced during this abortion experience? (sighs) (laughs) The biggest struggle I feel like I have faced during this abortion experience or during my abortion experience, um, uh, probably, um, one of the reasons why I did not go forward with my second abortion, um, with my, with my second abortion experience, Mm -hmm. um, why I didn't go why I didn't complete it um, is because I had to wait that um, I had to, you know, you have to have two appointments um, Mm -hmm. as far as uh, legally, you have to have two appointments, a 24 hour waiting period. Um, And so by the time I was able to actually schedule my 24, my 24 hour follow-up appointment, the actual actual procedure appointment, um, I was, further along mm. than I could afford to pay for. Right. Um, and um, I mean, I had made a different decision for other reasons as well, but right. that um, yeah, that was, it was definitely a barrier. I mean, it was something that like, even if I wanted to continue with the process now, where am I going to find this money? You know? Exactly. Yeah. So if you could do this program again, would you? Yes, I would definitely do this program. I would do this program over and over and over again. It's probably Mm -hmm. one of the best decisions that I've made since being back here in Cleveland. Um, Seek out a patients to advocates program if you qualify. I mean, it's just like this experience has really been, um, I found like some really um, great women, some just really great people, period. Um, You know, who I share a similar experience with. Um, and I really, I feel like we're going to make some change, um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to pro-choice. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, although our program, we have got one more session, which we're really sad about. Um, but although our program is coming to an end, you know, I really look forward to working with this women, with these women after this, um, and us organizing, Mm -hmm. um, and pulling together efforts, um, to start, you know, being some of the faces of this Mm -hmm. movement, um, like, uh, Kelly, you know, had said so. Yeah, and being more proactive yeah. in the community. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I guess it's your turn now, Miss Christina. Okay. Okay. So I've got a great question for you. Um, Why did you join Patients to Advocates? Okay. Well, when I joined Patients to Advocate, I was getting an abortion. Of course, it was like a little cue card um, basically saying, do you feel comfortable um, sharing your experience or being around other people that was going through the same experience? So I didn't really think nothing of it, like not thinking they were going to call me back, but it was something that that I felt like passionately about due to I'm more so um, a proactive type of person and more upspoken or, you know, outspoken or whatever like that. So it would have been a great fit for me. So basically um, I filled out the form and they called me like a year later. Now what I didn't know is that I'm usually a strong person. Like I like do everything on my own, more so independent. So what I did gain from the program, which I didn't even think that I needed, but it was something that I needed. It's just crazy how the universe works out. But basically, I gained emotional support through this program. You know, I'm usually doing everything by myself, independent, like no one. Like, it's just like sometimes you get tired of being your own everything. And with this program, it was almost something to like lean on and other women that was going through the same experiences as I was. So that was, it was just like, it was just fate, basically, because it wasn't really like I thought I was going to get picked. There's so many people that get, you know, abortions or, you know, this card came up. Yeah. And, of course, they called me like a year later, which I'm glad they did because my emotional was just off the chain. But when they called me, it was more so I was maturing and now I can talk about it and now I can, you know, move forward. So, yeah, I never thought I would get picked either. Yeah. Okay, so my next question is, what are some stigmas that you have overcome since being in this program? Okay, well, that was a big stigma was me being a strong person that you don't need anyone. So that was a big one for me, even relying on you other ladies. You get what I'm saying? Even opening up to you guys, even sharing different things. But I feel comfortable in this situation with us being brought together. That's one of the stigmas. Another stigma is that people think you're selfish or only thinking about self when you're seeking abortion care. Me, I have two children already, so I was looking at the bettering of their life as well as mine. So it was something that I just couldn't do at that time, and I knew that this was what I needed to do. And I felt relief from that situation. Yeah. Yeah, so that was two stigmas that I overcame. Very valid stigmas. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're almost done here. I promise I'm almost done asking you questions. (laughs) Last one. Um, So are you happy with the decision you have made to get abortion care services here preterm? Yes, I am. I'm very happy. I actually feel a sense of relief that I was able to make that decision. And I'm able to sit here and speak out for those that's not able to speak out or for those that's wanting to speak out but needed someone else that they can see that they can maybe, you know, relate to. And maybe that would be more comfortable for them to step forward. So, yes, I'm happy. Hi, my name is Addison Bloom. I'm an advocate in Toledo, Ohio. Um, I'm a part of the Patients to Advocates Fellowship through NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Hi, my name's Alyssa. Um, I am a University Heights resident. I'm a patient to advocate, a jazz singer, and a vocal coach. Um, So, Addison, I wanted to ask you some questions. Um, Can you tell me... What uh, what was your abortion experience like? Yeah, so I had an abortion when I was 15 years old. Um, this experience was really hard for me, but um, was a part of like my formative years. Uh, 
And it really inspired me to take action and work in reproductive justice and join this program as well. Um, I had to face a lot of barriers um, as being a minor and also not having the money to afford an abortion. Um, And I recognize that these barriers affect all women um, that have had abortions and are detrimental to abortion access. Thank you. Um, I also wanted to ask you um, kind of just more about the barriers that you faced individually um, when you went to go get your procedure. Um, Yeah, so as a minor, I had to obtain permission from my parents. Um, That was really hard to be able to to have to sit in front of my mom and explain to her the circumstances that left me to have an abortion. Um, I was sexually assaulted, and I had to sit there and explain this to my mom and ask her to pay for this abortion and um, have her sign these papers. Um, That was really difficult for me. Um, The nearest clinic was far Um, I had to be taken out of school, and um, I was currently, and I know a lot of women can't have insurance to pay for it, Um, Medicaid, if you're low income, and yeah. No, thank you for sharing. Um, I also wanted to ask um, if you could tell me a little bit about the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, so the Hyde Amendment prevents... um, federal funds are being used for abortions. Um, So this includes Medicaid and if you have a government job, it's like you're in the army. Um, So it prevents that money from being used for an abortion. Um, And it really targets low-income women. Um, And in its creation, Henry Hyde um, quoted, uh, said, I would certainly like to prevent, if I could legally, anybody from having an abortion, a rich woman, a middle-class woman, or a poor woman. Unfortunately, the only vehicle available is the Medicaid bill. So this was a targeted attack against low-income women. Yeah, it's really unfortunate and sad, but thank you for sharing that with me and with everybody else. So I have some questions for you. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to ask you the same question that you asked me initially. What was your abortion experience like? (sighs) Um, Such a weighted question. It's such a stigmatized and really difficult topic to bring up um, and then to just talk about it publicly. Um, My abortion experience was and shouldn't have been as traumatic as it was, but because of the barriers that were in place, um, it prevented me from really like healing from the experience afterwards. I was 17 at the time, so just like you as a minor, I had to acquire, um, you know, I had to get permission from my parents in order for them to allow me to have the procedure done. Uh, I grew up in a religious home, so that was really, really difficult to (laughs) explain to my family. Um, uh, During the procedure, you know, my mom went with me, but it wasn't just a one one and done situation it's the 24-hour waiting period and then they sit you down you have to talk to a counselor so just kind of dehumanizing Mm -hmm. um it it felt like I couldn't be in control of my own body the whole time um and that's not a good feeling you know you want to be able to 
you want to be able to trust your medical providers. You want to be able to, you know, share things with your parents that they're proud of. And um, this was something that I could have done on my own. Um, But because of these laws in place, they have uh, made it really difficult for women to use, I, I, I don't know, I guess they made it really difficult for women to take ownership of their bodies and to exercise their rights to that ownership. Um, so my abortion story, you know, it's like many others and you'll find these stories happening all the time, every day. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't great. I found out that I couldn't receive the, um, medication abortion um, which sucked because I wanted to be in the comfort of my own home. Um, but because of the ban, um, I was over the, the time frame. Um, and I had gone with the vacuum aspiration and, um, it was not my first choice. (laughs) If you're, if you have the ability to make a a decision. I want to have sex with this person. You know, you should be able to like make the decision that I want to birth this child or, you know, I want, this is like a huge weighted mm-hmm. thing. I'm, I'm talking a lot, but, um, yes, it was hard. It was very difficult. And, um, I'm here today hoping that we can kind of, um, look f- for a better generation, better future for women. Thank you for sharing. Um, So my second question for you is, what would you have liked to known prior to having your abortion? Well, that there was a ban on uh, medication abortion Mm -hmm. because, yeah, that was just not, that was not very fun. Um, What else would I have liked to known prior? I guess, I don't know. I guess that's, that's pretty much it. Alrighty. Um, what would you like people to know about those who have had abortions? Um, that we're good women. Um, it's a, such a stigmatized. Uh, it's such it's such a highly stigmatized word. Abortion. Just being able to vocalize that. Um, we are in charge of our bodies and we get to dictate our future. And, um, you know, <sighs> those people who have had abortions, they're one in three, you know, happens more frequently than you think. Um, so I guess that's what I'd like to share. So thank you for talking with me today. Thank you. (laughs) Hello, my name is Jennifer. I am a Patients to Advocates Fellow. Um, I have been commuting from Kent, Ohio, and I am also a writer and a mother. My name is Marcy. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, So I'm right here in the local area. I'm a mother of three, uh, three daughters, a three-year-old, 15-year-old, and a 19-year-old. Um, I am a part of uh, the Patients to Advocates program as well. Um, 
were a part of the uh, second year group. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been very rewarding. Hmm. So speaking of rewarding, how would you say that this program has affected your personal life? Uh, for me personally, um, I think when the program first started, um, I, I had hopes for what I thought it would be. Um, but, you know, as time went on, um, of course, you know, um, or, well, I won't say I had hopes, but um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Right, I, I did. I had expectations um, of, I, I guess, kind of what I thought it would be. And um, by being new, I think, like, in my personal life, um, I wasn't as open to talking about it with family and friends mm-hmm. at first. Um, I just didn't know how they would... Um, I guess, uh, take me being a part of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of, you know, the, the stigma uh, surrounding abortion. Um, but as the program went on, I, I definitely became more and more comfortable. Yeah. Um, just talking about it with everyone mm-hmm. around me. And it's just, it's interesting because... Um, as I became more open, um, you know, some of my girlfriends and, uh, you know, other women that I know, they in turn became more open with me. And, um, I also, um, even, you know, some of my girlfriends expressed their interest in, you know, being a part of Mm -hmm. the program, which, um, I thought was awesome. Yeah. So sounds like it's deepened the quality of some of your relationships. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would have to agree that I've experienced similar things, mm-hmm. even um, even just within my home. I have three kids, too, um, but my oldest um, is 15. And um, coming here and having these conversations has definitely carried over into the household in a way that it's. It, I've been able to create, or we have created more space to have um, conversations that might otherwise feel kind of tough um, or uh, but I guess learning the things that we have um, or learning how to um, articulate our stories um, has helped me to realize how important it is uh, to do that. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, it's, oh, it's, no. it's funny because years ago, you know, with um, with my daughters, I could never have imagined me like having like abortion magnets on my like Mm -hmm. pro-choice magnets on my refrigerator you know just I I think growing up me and my mother had a great relationship but I just wasn't able to talk to her as openly as um as I would like to think that my you know children can talk to me you know about issues like abortion so you know I think it's awesome that you know like I said this program has encouraged me to be more open and Mm -hmm. and I hope in turn have made even you know like I said my daughter is more comfortable with the subject yeah you know definitely yeah I hear you on that um what about like your overall experience um 
being a part of the program? Is there like anything that stands out or just, I guess, like I said, you're just overall. Well, um, I think that my favorite part actually sort of happened by accident um, because I missed a module or there was a week that everyone went down to Columbus lobby day. Mm. I missed lobby day and it was pretty important. And so I felt this pressure uh, to figure out like what sort of makeup work I was going to do. Like I wanted it to be meaningful. So it wasn't like, Oh, I didn't, you know, deal with our legislators. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to, you know, write on a piece of paper. So um, I put together a workshop about um, herbs that have been traditionally used to help maintain the female reproductive system. And I um, submitted a proposal to a reproductive justice conference and was accepted. And I traveled to Philly, which I had been wanting to go to for a long time. Um, And and I taught a workshop. And Mm -hmm. so like it was the first time that I ever did anything like that. It was a... um, well attended like how it was long it was like mm-hmm. an hour and a half two hour long workshop it was amazing yeah, yeah. that so that, that's like yeah it was um very empowering it made mm-hmm. me feel like i bet i can do this it was a lot of work but it felt it was like super rewarding and made me feel uh confident in my ability to um collect information and present it in a way that can be useful for people and accessible mm-hmm. yeah um no, I think um, as, as far as like my overall experience mm-hmm. and like some of the things that stand out for me, I know I actually missed Lobby Day as well. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, my daughter had a dentist appointment that mm-hmm. day, so um, I was pretty upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think for me, like what stands out the most I really enjoyed the panel at um OSU Mm -hmm. and I think something that um kind of um enlightened me about the experience was that um a lot of times we don't realize how important and like how um I guess how powerful like our stories are yeah you know because it's like you're sitting in front of this room full of medical students who can get all of the, you know, education in the world, you know, surrounding mm-hmm. their female reproductive system or, you know, whatever it is that they're studying. Yeah. But, you know, there's nothing that compares to actually being able to, I think, talk to patients, yeah. um, you know, who have been through, um, you know, who have had abortions and, um, you know, hearing their stories and, and just being able to, um, understand like, you know, why safe abortion care is like so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. So like I said, for yeah. me, that was, um, I, I really enjoyed that experience having, you know, being able to uh, talk to them. I enjoy that too. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, as I was coming in, or it was the, actually the interview, uh, one of the questions was like, why am I interested in this program? And I uh, said that I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to figure out how to make use of my story. And that panel, especially, like that one in particular, made me feel like 
my experience is being valued in a way that can really impact um, the way that things move forward in terms of um, abortion access and the way that people um, frame it, especially like, you know, people in the medical field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to ask you if there is anything in particular that you were surprised to learn during the program. Um, <clears throat> some things that I was surprised to learn. Um, I was very surprised to um, learn more about the crisis pregnancy centers. Mm -hmm. I was familiar um, with the crisis pregnancy pregnancy centers, but um, I just wasn't, uh, I guess, informed about you know all of the. <laughs> just deception, you know, yeah. and just some of the practices that, that they use to pretty much lure women, um, unsus unsuspecting women mm -hmm. who are, you know, at, at probably the most vulnerable time of their lives, you yeah. know, into some of these clinics. I was yeah. just really, um, I was really surprised, uh, to learn, um, about those and, um, um, I think that, that, that was probably mm -hmm. the, the most shocking thing to me. Yeah. I was shocked too. Like, I mean, I had actually visited a crisis pregnancy, pregnancy center, not on purpose. Um, but personally I was actually referred to one by the Ohio department of job and family services. So that's the thing that shocked me is that there are federal dollars going into promoting misinformation. I thought that that was pretty sick. Um, especially considering um, learning about the Hyde Amendment right. and how um, dollars are restricted from um, helping um, low-income women who have Medicaid coverage. Mm -hmm. uh, they cannot um, have their abortion care covered. And so it's there. They, there's this huge barrier for folks. Um, and so you're going to create these barriers and yet at the same time allocate monies to misinform people. It just seems so wasteful and frustrating. Right. But then like the other thing that I think uh, really surprised me is um, that number, that one in three number, like one in three women will have or have already had an abortion in their lifetime. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> how are we not talking about this? How are right. we not talking about this? Why is this such a secret? It really, for me, um, opened my eyes to the how much power stigma has, that we can um, be so stifled and held back from supporting each other and and under offering each other understanding and and um yeah that that one was that's it's still big to me I feel like I say it once a day <laughs> once a day I'm like one in three <laughs> one in three like abortions exist regardless of whether or not they're legal you know right. and so it's like we either can make sure that we dedicate our um selves to making it accessible to people or we deal with the fact that like dangerous things can happen, you know, because it's, 
it's a thing. Like if, if we can't, if women cannot access safe legal abortions, then um, they might have to go another route. And that's um, something that we want to prevent. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, <laughs> you kind of touched on what I was getting ready to ask you, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to, um, for for you to give your opinion on like why you feel like the the program is important and I like I said I know yeah. you just kind of uh touched on that um a little bit just now <laughs> um why I think patience to advocates is important um I think the ripple effect is like what's what the key is you know like hearing about how um the quality of your friendships has deepened in having these conversations um I, I think that the thing is just like normalizing abortion because it is it's already normal, like as I right. like one in three. So like but normalizing these conversations so that, um, you know, it's accessible and, and, and women are safe. Um, I think that that is like the most important part of this program is like the conversations that happen afterwards and also like the action mm-hmm. um, that comes therein. Uh, people are activated, like all these women in this room um, developing this understanding about um, how our stories are connected and um, getting some context uh, about like where we stand in this bigger system and trying to figure out like, well, how can we, uh, what are our next steps forward? So I think that that's, um, those are the most valuable parts of this program. But what about you? What do you think? Um, it's definitely, um, encouraged me to want to continue to just, um, be more knowledgeable and, um, and like you said, just open, um, open a discussion. And I think, you know, it definitely changes, um, like as, as generations go on, like I said, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to have these conversations with my yeah. mother. Um, it, it really makes me feel good knowing that I, I feel like almost like I've broken the cycle. Yes. I have definitely, <laughs> like I have definitely had that thought and that feeling like I have, we have broken a cycle mm-hmm. here. Definitely. Absolutely. And that's important, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I, I would, um, you know, like I said, I have teenage daughters and I would just, it it would break my heart to um, think that they couldn't, you know, come talk to me or, you know, even if they couldn't come talk to me, you know, places that um, I just feel like young women should be able to, you know, go and Mm -hmm. have discussions like this, like you said, without just the the stigma yeah. um, attached and unfortunately you know is there's so much stigma surrounding it but hopefully yeah. like you say we're breaking down those barriers we're breaking down those barriers <laughs> like every day with these conversations with your abortion magnet on the fridge like all of that <laughs> all of it absolutely yeah. um as far as um legislation mm-hmm. I know uh, we were talking about like some of the things that we would like to see changed um, mm-hmm. because we face so many barriers. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you would like to see changed? Well, um, 
my mind goes straight to the Hyde Amendment. Um, I think that it's really cruel um, to block low-income women from accessing uh, the abortion care that they need to cause one more hurdle on top of everything else. You know, the cost of this procedure could mean a woman's rent, you know, uh, especially like a woman, a low-income woman, a woman with children, like trying to maintain her family. Like, I feel like these are the stories that we really have to talk about. And I think that um, that is the thing that I would like to see changed first and foremost, like immediately, like as soon as possible. And I, and I want to know how I can help is like, um, because it gets passed again every year. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they, so I don't know. I mean, I guess people have been trying, but I want to figure out what right. I can do. Is there something that we can do differently to stop this madness? Right. Um, yeah. What about you? Um, <clears throat> for me, I, I think the Hyde Amendment, of course, is uh, one that uh, stands out the most, especially being uh, prior military um, and being stationed overseas before, um, you're not able to have an abortion like on an American um, military base. So mm-hmm. you're kind of forced to, uh, you know, venture out and in, into the unknown if you happen to be stationed overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, for me, the Hyde Amendment, um, I think that's something that stands out for me. And, and of course, you know, also the... Um, the way it blocks uh, low-income women um, from from being able to afford the procedures and also the 24-hour wait, waiting yeah. period. Um, you know, once again, I feel like this is a, one of the most vulnerable time in a woman's life, mm-hmm. and um, you're kind of being forced to, um, you know, drag out a decision that yeah. you've already made and you know you're comfortable with and um being forced to uh you know have the the uh, ultrasound and Mm -hmm. you know just yeah so i would definitely like to see um some of the legislature legislature change to um you know make it make uh, abortion care more accessible yeah um for for women um definitely those those well I, those two things stand out the most the 24-hour waiting period in the Hyde amendment yeah you're right like i wish that we could get rid of all the medically unnecessary stuff because at the <laughs> end of the day it's it's a medical procedure it's a simple procedure right. right so why are we adding all of these things well we know why you know it's just like it's anti-woman nonsense but this 24-hour waiting period like some women are driving an hour. I mean, I I had to drive an hour to the clinic and back. And there's so much coordinating that has to go into, like, dealing with childcare and dealing with X, Y, Z. So then to have to do that multiple times, it's like it, it's just one more barrier. You're right. And it's, and it's not necessary. Right. It's, so, yeah, I hear you. This is Patients to Advocates 2017 presenting a group poem, I am from a body. I am from a body born with Medusa curls. Snakes weaving to receive pearls guide my reach. I am from a body that is covered in deep chocolate satin with rips, tears, and patches. A body that is never the shape I want it to be. 
I am from a body whose boundaries were broken before I knew how to build them. I am from a body that is resilient. Because this unique design is my fortress. It is my home and I'll do anything to nurture its spiritual, mental, physical growth. I am from a body that no longer hides her from her past and made peace with her abortion. I am from a body that loves who she is and not just a portion. I am a body that deserves a choice, a body that walks with my head held high.